Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Dearly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, God, to be in your house, Lord. We, Lord, through all that we've experienced here in the last few months, God, to be in your house is truly a gift from you, Lord, and Lord, may we never take it for granted. And Lord, as we open your word today and see an amazing story, Lord, that has such valuable lessons to it, to us, may, Lord, we take it into our heart, God. May we find your truths and we'll give you the praise in your name. Amen. You know, in Cambodia, there's an amazing structure. It's called Angkor Wat. And if you've ever seen it, it was built some 900 years ago. And it's a system of temples. And these temples are absolutely phenomenal. They were built of stone. And one of the fascinating things that happens there is these giant strangler trees, they're called. They're a type of fig tree. And what's happened, hundreds of years ago, seeds were planted. And they started on the roofs of these structures, and they begin to grow down. And the roots of these trees, as you can see, literally would grow into the stone of these temples and would literally begin to crush the stone of the temples. In fact, a lot of experts say that if you tried to remove the trees, that parts of the walls and parts of the temples would literally fall down. It's the only thing that's holding them up. It really shows you the power of a little seed. You know, when you look at a seed, and I have a, I have a seed here. I actually cheated. It's a sunflower seed. <laughs> I like sunflower seeds. But a little tiny seed. I mean, you can't hardly even see it, can you? It's just so small. But yet, in a seed, there's such amazing power to do such great things. Just a little seed. But you know, this seed right here has really uh, no power unless we give some attention to it. I mean, this, this seed's not going to do anything. If I keep this seed in my pocket, it's never going to be anything. But if you take a, a, a seed like one of these giant strangler trees and you give attention to it, you water it, you put it in the right soil, it, it gets the right amount of light, then it can grow into truly a powerful powerful thing, something that can literally crush stone, but only if we give it attention. You know, we all plant seeds in our life. Every day we're planting seeds. We're, we're planting seeds all around us, and every day we're not only planting seeds, but we're giving attention to the seeds we plant. Now, some people give attention to destructive things and destructive seeds like the strangler tree. Some people give attention to hatred. Some people give attention to addiction. Whatever it might be, people give attention to those things. They water them every day. They give them the right soil, and they begin to grow in their lives. And before they know it, those seeds have literally overtaken them, and, and they're so entwined with their life that you can hardly separate the two. On the other hand, there are people that plant good seeds. Take an apple tree, for example. A tree that's going to grow and it's going to produce a fruit that's edible, 
that people can eat, that's nourishing, that's good for you, that can make apple pie, you know, things that are good. And people plant those seeds in their life and they water them and they watch them grow. Whatever seeds we give attention to in our life will grow. If a person says, well, I don't want the seeds of destruction growing in my life, then don't give attention to them. Today we're going to look at an example of a person who was a perfect example of a person who gave attention to the wrong types of seeds. We look at his story, the story of King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Israel wanted a king. In fact, they bugged God all the time. We want a king, God. We want a king. Give us a king. And finally, God relented. It's kind of like, you remember when your kids were young and you were in the grocery store. And you turned down the wrong aisle. Or you go down to check out, and of course, <laughs> they got you, don't they? They put all the toys and everything there. And you turn down that aisle, and then uh, that little boy or girl says, Dad, I want, I want that. I want that. Dad, oh, I want that. And, and then they start getting louder and everything else. And you're looking around, and you're in a store, and you're like, you know, what am I going to do here? And so, you know, they got you, don't they? They, they won the battle. So you say, I'll tell you what, I'll get you this as long as you're good for the rest of the time we're in the store. So you bribe them. And that's kind of what Israel was doing. They were bothering God. And bother, we want a king, we want a king. And God finally says, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And in, in 1 Samuel 9, 2, it tells us about this man. It says, and he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. In other words, he was so good looking. From uh, than he from his shoulders and upward he was higher than any of the people. Boy, Saul looked like a king. He was this good-looking guy. He was this tall guy. He was head and shoulders above everybody. I mean, he was a guy that would walk down the street and you would go, "Wow, that's that person's special." If you want to know what King Saul looked like, he looked like Pastor Ernie, just a good-looking guy, tall, didn't act like him. But that kind of gives you a picture of Saul. He looked like a king. And Israel thought, this is the guy. This is our guy for sure. And in verse 17, it says, And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. So Saul anoints, Samuel anoints Saul as king of Israel. He's given the opportunity to be the king. God gives Saul every opportunity. God makes sure that his way is paved for him to have success. You see, when God puts us in a place, God is going to make sure that we have all the tools to be successful. He's going to make sure that the way is paved. And it was for Saul. Saul could have been a great king. Saul could have had all the things that God had intended to him. He could have done great things for Israel. But there's another part to that. God can give us the opportunity. God can set us up to succeed. But we have to be willing to be obedient to him and to follow his direction. And that was something that Saul had a problem with. 
You see, Saul was a person who planted the wrong type of seeds, planted seeds of destruction in his life. Now, Saul was the type of person that, if you looked at, he had all kinds of potential. And we know people like this. They had all kinds of potential. They were given every opportunity, but they failed to obey. They failed to capitalize. Saul won, won battles, but he truly lost the war. And he plants these seeds of disobedience and rebellion. And you can read in the, in the next few chapters of all kinds of examples of things that Saul did that just started to plant seeds of destruction and rebellion and disobedience against God. And he gave attention to those things. And those things began to grow over and over, time and time again. Saul was given an opportunity to succeed, and Saul decided that he was going to go the other way. We see one example of this in Samuel 15. One of many examples. In verse 20, it tells us a story of where Saul was instructed by God to do something. It says, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. And I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So God told Saul, I want you to go, and you're going to make war with the Amalekites, and you're going to destroy them, and you're not going to bring anything back. You're not going to bring the king back. You're not going to bring their livestock back. You're going to bring nothing back. But Saul had a different idea. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion, there's the seeds of rebellion, is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee, from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. See, Saul was clearly instructed to do a certain thing. To kill and not bring back any of the livestock. But Saul listened to the people. He was intimidated by the people. He wanted to please the people rather than pleasing God. So he brought some of the choice livestock back. He brought the king back. He defied the instructions and commandments of God because he wanted to please the people. Now, truly, in life, there are people who are people pleasers, and we all want to please other people. But I, I want to tell you, this is something that Saul was one of his great problems of his life was. He wanted to please people more than he wanted to please God. 
There comes a time in our life when we have to stand up for the things of God. Maybe people want us to do something. And maybe as a young person, people want to lead us in a certain direction. And we can please them or we can please God. We can plant a seed of destruction or we can plant a seed that will be fruitful. Saul planted seeds of destruction. He pleased other people. We, we can see another example of this in the Old Testament in, in Aaron. Remember what was happening with Israel. Israel was at Mount Sinai and Moses was going up to get the Ten Commandments. And there again, the people of Israel didn't have a lot of patience, did they? And they wanted Aaron to make an idol so that they could worship. And of course, Aaron finally relented to please the people. And he built this golden calf and it was disobedient to God. All to please the people. You know, sometimes in our life, we have to stand up and, and we can't always please others when it comes in to the way of pleasing God. Understand that in our lives, just as Saul, there's going to be people that try to make us do things that we shouldn't. And we have to understand we're not, in, we're not here, we're not obligated to serve people when they're making us and leading us in directions that we shouldn't go. We're obligated to serve God and be led of him. It tells us this, if, if we truly love God, we want to obey him. In John chapter 14, verse 23, it says this. It says, Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make abode with him. Saul continued to water seeds of rebellion and destruction against God. Galatians tells us, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a person soweth, that shall he also reap. You know, Saul went on for a little while. And God didn't just, God didn't just cut Saul off at his first mistake. He had made many mistakes up until this time. He had developed a pattern of behavior up until this time. And God had, God had given him leeway. He had given him some, some leash to roam. But at the end of the day, Saul made up his mind. Because in his heart, he truly didn't want to obey God. Even though he said to the prophet Samuel, even, no, he says, oh, I, I'm going to repent. I'm going to do right. He said it again and again. But in his heart... We knew that that wasn't the case. And in chapter 16, verse 1, we see that Saul has been rejected. And the prophet Samuel is to anoint a new king. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. And we know that that king was to be King David. Now there was a sharp contrast between Saul and David. King Saul, of course, was the good looking, was the, the tall, handsome, warrior looking man. And then there was young little King David. He was just about 16, 17 years old. He would have been a, going into his junior year of high school and he was out watching the sheep. And boy, David didn't look like a king. Uh, some of Jesse's other sons, they, they look like a king. And Samuel thought, well, it must be one of them. And God kept saying, no, it's not. Keep looking. Finally, he comes to David. And you can imagine Samuel kind of having a peculiar look when he's seen David and thought, 
Are you sure, God? I mean, look at Saul. He looked like a king, but David, not so much. He doesn't look like a warrior. He's a kid. But God says, that's the one I want. And in verse 7, we see that God has a little bit different criteria than we do. It says, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance. Don't look on the outside or the height of his stature, because I have refused, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He says, you know, I, I don't care what he looks like. <laughs> I don't care if he's not the tallest guy. I don't care if he doesn't look as intimidating or a warrior. It doesn't matter. What matters is what's in his heart, not what's on the outside. What is he all about? That's what I want to know. What are you and I all about today? If you, if you take the exterior and you throw it away, when you look at the inside, what is truly inside of our heart? You know, years ago when I would compete in martial arts, I had a sparring partner named Larry, and Larry's a few years older than me. And when you've seen Larry... He was one of the nicest guys you would ever want to meet. I mean, he was just so meek and mild and kind, uh, soft-spoken, never a bad word about anybody. But man, when you got to spar in Larry, something happened. He turned into somebody else. I, you know, sometimes I would be in the middle of a sparring session with him, and I think, man, I, Larry, I, I like the meek and mild guy. Who, who's this guy? You would never in a million years see him coming down the street and think that he was as good of a combat fighter as he was. But you know what? It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. It doesn't matter what situations you are in. And young people understand one thing. That a lot of people in life and, and people of this generation will try to put you down. They'll tell you you're no good. They'll tell you you're, you're foolish and you're stupid for even following God and having faith. But I want to tell you today, God has a plan for your life. And it's a plan that's unique to just you. And it's a plan that nobody else in this world has that God has made it just for you. And not only has he made it just for you, he's prepared a way for you and opportunities for you. And if you're obedient to him, then he will make you successful. Just as young David, who didn't look like much, but David became one of the great generals in history, become one of the great leaders in history, one of the great leaders for Israel. Remember what David did just as a child. He defeated the giant Goliath. God has a plan for you, just as God has a plan for David. And so David now has been anointed king and David has defeated the giant, Goliath. And Saul doesn't like it. In chapter 18, verse 7, we see Saul's reaction after David has defeated Goliath. And now David is coming back. And all of a sudden, the people are starting to turn on Saul. It says in verse 7, And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, it's to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can we have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward, 
Saul began to plant seeds of jealousy. David had killed Goliath. And now the, the, the person who was the one who wanted to please the people, Saul, saw that the people were turning against him. God had rejected him. Now the people are turning against him. And now they're praising David. And Saul gets jealous. He starts planting seeds of jealousy all over his life. Not only does he plant them, but he gives them attention and he waters them and he gives them the right amount of light. And all of a sudden, those seeds of jealousy start growing in Saul's life. And they're growing all around him. And they're getting bigger and bigger. And the roots are starting to go into his very soul. And in chapter 19, verse 1, we see that these seeds of jealousy lead to more seeds. It says in verse 1, And Saul spake unto Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. Now Saul has gone from a place where he's just jealous of David that he wants to kill David. He's not only jealous, but he's planting seeds now of hatred and murder. And you can see in the, in the upcoming chapters where Saul begins to pursue and chase David all over the place to kill him. And his hatred goes more and more and more towards David. And he wants him dead more and more. And it literally takes over his life. You know what happens when you plant those seeds of destruction and you give them attention and you water them? They take over your life. They take over your thinking. They take over your decision making to the point where you can't think straight. You can't think for yourself because you're only thinking out of the prism of what you've planted and given attention to. That's what's happened here to Saul. The stranglehold has gotten greater and greater. It's gotten so great that like those strangler trees, if you tried to remove it at this point, it would probably literally destroy him. You know, as destructive seeds get larger and larger, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder and harder. And Saul, just like those strangler trees, he destroys himself. He goes after David to kill him, and a, and a long chase ensues. And Saul continues to give attention to the wrong things. And eventually we see at the end of 1 Samuel, the tragic end of Saul, as he's wounded in battle and falls on his sword and dies. And you think of this. What a tragic life. Saul was someone with so much opportunity. He had been given so much. Boy, he looked like a king. He was given every opportunity to be a great king. You know, his story could have been so different. His story could have been one that, that he would have been a great general and a great conqueror and a man of God. It could have been so different but Saul chose to plant the wrong seeds in his life. You know, your story and my story, boy, it could be different. Only by the grace of God. We know people who have chosen to plant the wrong things in their life, those seeds of destruction, but there's still hope. As long as we're here on earth, as long as we're breathing, there's still hope to say, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to, unlike Saul did, I'm going to cut those things out of my life and I'm going to start planning good things in my life. You know, you're struggling with something today and you fill in the blank, whatever it might be. And you just say, you know, it's overtaken my life. It has taken so much out of my life for so many years. And the reason why 
you're struggling with it is you're giving attention to it. You're allowing it to root itself in your life. And the deeper those roots get and what you feed will continue to grow. You know, it's easy when you think about a small tree. When it just starts growing, it's, it's easy to pull out, isn't it? doesn't do much damage. But I tell you, in the spring, sometimes you get those trees and you, you walk out and, and you're uh, back landscaping and there's a tree that's about this tall. And you think, where did that come from? It grew so quick. And then, well, I'll just pull it out. And you start pulling it out and you can't pull it out. And you think, well, it's not that big. And what happens? Then, then you got to dig a hole and you got to get the roots and get it all out of there. And before you know it, there's a giant void in the ground where you've had to create a disruption just to get this tree out. That's what happens in our life when we plant the wrong seeds. It, they begin to grow and grow and grow. And then as we try to pull them out, it causes more pain and more destruction in our life. We got to catch those seeds early on. When we start to see things growing in our life that we shouldn't, when we start seeing jealousy or seeing that anger towards someone or, or whatever it might be, when we start seeing those things growing, that's the time that we have to pull them out. That's the time we got to weed our garden before they allow to grow and get big. Just like saw as it grows larger, it eventually will destroy us. You know, I knew a man who... Uh, many years ago, I had met with him in my office. And he was a very decorated soldier. He had done uh, special operations and things in Vietnam. And very decorated. He's, he's, he's since passed. But I remember that conversation well. He came into my office, and here's a, a, a man's man, a guy who uh, even at that time, you, you wouldn't want to mess with. He was a tough guy. And I remember he started talking about his life. And he literally broke down in tears. And he said, you know, my whole life, my whole life I've never gotten over what happened to me as a kid and what my parents did to me as a kid. So I've never gotten over that. And he said, through my whole life I carried that hatred. And he said, that hatred just grew in my life and it just destroyed so many things. It destroyed my family. He said, it destroyed my family. He said, it destroyed my career. It destroyed my relationships. He said, it destroyed my health. It destroyed so many things. And as I, as I listened to him, and he started to tell me what had happened to him, I thought, you know what? He has every right, every right to be angry for what his parents did. He has every right to be mad. He has every right to be angry. He has every right to hate him. But at what cost? At what cost? You know, we can allow hatred towards someone to build in our life to a point that it does nothing to them, but it destroys us. And it costs us so much. What's that seed that's growing in your life today that's costing you your relationship with your family? What's that seed that's growing in your life that's costing you your happiness? What's that seed of destruction that's growing in your life that's costing you your health, that's costing your relationship with God? What's that seed? Think about that for a minute. Is it worth it? Is it worth to keep going on through life and giving attention to something that even though you're right, 
it doesn't matter anymore. Even though you're right, it's costing you too much. What are you going to pay for that? Are you going to pay for your happiness? Are you going to pay with your health? What are you going to pay to keep that seed growing in your life? I want to tell you today that whatever that seed is, you might say, I can't, I can't get it out of my life. It's grown too much. It's grown too deep. And you're right. We can't get it out of our life. But you know what? We serve a God that can. We serve a God that no matter what is going on in our life, he can take that away from us. He can pull that out of our lives and, and the void and the gap that it left. He can heal that. And he can make us whole again. What's it going to take for you to say enough is enough? I'm not paying anymore. I'm not paying anymore for the seed of destruction in my life. Today, I'm going to make a choice that I'm going to allow the God of heaven to come in, to pull that out of my life and to replace it with something beautiful, to replace it with a seed of love, to replace it with a seed of hope, to replace it with faith, to replace it with a tree that's going to grow, that's going to be beautiful, that's going to be beautiful for my life, that's going to help those around me. Today's a choice to make of whether we're going to continue on planting those seeds of destruction or we're going to give attention to the seeds that God desires us to plant. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we know today that we all have seeds that grow in our life. We know that, Lord, many of those seeds can be destructive. And Lord, some of them we, we catch early on and we're able to pull them out of the ground. But Lord, so many others, they just grow and grow. And years go by and they just keep growing. And they almost become like a part of our life, God. It's almost like that uh, we, we just expend our time and our energy and we pay so much for things that are doing us no good. Lord, first and foremost, may we open our eyes to these things. May we see those things in our life that shouldn't be there. May we see those, those things that we're giving attention to that all we have to do is, is give it up. It's just let go of it and let you handle it. Lord, we know today that you are here with us. We know today, Lord, that your hands are open to receive us. And God, we also know that the most important seed that we could ever plant is a seed of salvation in our lives. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that's never accepted you, Lord, may today be the day in your name. Amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. 
You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.